Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 400 of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Stoltz. Today, we're going to talk about four different things, exercise, nutrition, and answering your questions today. It's a Q&A session with me here on the podcast, and uh, thank you for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about diet breaks, what to do on a plateau and weight loss. We're going to talk about kind of when you actually deserve a diet break. We're also going to talk about recomp a little bit and um, if recomposition is possible and how to know if you actually are recomping if you're in the middle of a diet or a maintenance phase and you're starting to see some good changes. I'll review what that is in today's show and then end the show with two exercise-related questions. Are one rep max safe is one question I'm going to be asking. Doing singles and max effort attempts, is that something that is safe? And then also going to be talking about pistol squats as a movement, if you should be including them in your program. That's what I'm doing today. Four questions from you guys. If you have any questions you want submitted to the podcast to be answered on the show, you can reach out via email, jordanstoltzfitness at gmail.com or through Instagram at stoltzjordan and shoot me a DM there and I will answer your question on the podcast. So thanks again for joining me. Let's get started with episode number 400. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. What's up, everybody? Jordan Stoltz here, your host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Welcome to another episode. Today, I'm going to be answering your guys' questions. I mean, essentially, my favorite thing to do on the podcast, my favorite type of episode, Q&A session with you guys. And I want to answer four questions today. It's the end of March 2021, and hopefully you guys are all doing well. Things are getting a little bit more back to normal as much as they can be right now, and you're all living healthy and fulfilling lives right now. Um, I'm going to dive right into the questions. Now, I always go over this in the intro, but these are primarily from Instagram, and then I think I got one personal question just face-to-face from somebody, but you can also reach out via email if you ever have a question you want to answer on the show. Uh, today, I want to talk a little bit about diet to begin and nutrition, so two big questions that are a little bit vague as far as studies are concerned, so things that aren't necessarily as studied and documented as um, you know a scientific fact or method you can use to speed up weight loss. So the first question is, uh, essentially, I've plateaued, should I do a diet break? And I'm really compressing the question. It was quite a long one, but I want to really dive into diet breaks here today and just talk about some things you should consider before doing a diet break. First, let's define it. A diet break would be moving calories to maintenance or even a little bit above maintenance for a little period of time in the middle of a diet. So if you've dieted for a while, you need a break mentally, physically, um, whatever, you can move calories up for two to four weeks, somewhere in there, 
get a nice break and go right back at it. Now, the benefits of a diet break are, there's a lot of them, but really where I see them as most valuable is the increase in energy. You're going to just feel rejuvenated. Um, of course, you can time a diet break nicely with things like social life, a busy month. Um, you can time it with your training, like with deloads or strength phases and things like that. So you have more calories for those things. You can time it with vacations and, uh, it can, it can turn out to be a very, very good thing. Um, I also really see a big boost in honesty in your food tracking or adherence. I think that it's really easy as you diet and as you get more and more deep into a diet and being a fat loss for a long time, very easy to, you know, start estimating a little bit more, not wanting to take the time to weigh things, letting your cup of rice, quote unquote, be heaping cup over the top of the actual measuring cup or your tablespoon of peanut butter, just be digging a big spoon into the peanut butter and assuming that's a tablespoon, but it might be three or four. Uh, these things can really set you back and a diet break like I said, it rejuvenates you and gets you more serious about your fat loss goal coming up after that. So it's kind of a little reset point, but it doesn't take very long. You don't have to do a full muscle gain phase. You don't have to completely switch your training or anything like that. And it can really be a helpful tool. But the question is when to do them because moving calories up to maintenance is easy enough. I would say just estimate if you know where your maintenance is, that's better. If you need to, just estimate like multiply your body weight times like 14 or 15, sometimes 16 if you're pretty active. Somewhere around there is probably pretty close to your maintenance unless there's some other odd variables going on here. But the question is when to do them. So I have four different things I want to talk about today with diet breaks that are criteria of when you should actually be including them. So the first one is are you actually having a true plateau? I think you should be saving a diet break for these occasions where you are plateaued uh, for the most part. So where you're actually not making progress. This question was specifically, I'm plateaued, should I take a diet break? Are you actually plateaued? I think that these things take a lot of time, right? There's a lot of variables in here and you need to really pay attention before you just assume you're plateaued. A lot of times you might not be putting enough time in, you know, you plateaued because you didn't make progress one week. There will be off week or twos here and there. A lot of times you shouldn't adjust anything and just keep pressing through. Are you stagnant in weight loss for two or three weeks in a row? That would be a true plateau. Um, is your performance increasing or is it suffering in the gym? That would be a sign of a plateau if your performance is suffering. Also, are you not changing your body composition at all, even if your scale weight is stagnant? Is your waist stuck? Is your waist going down? Um, these are the kind of questions that I want to see you answer. And then, of course, are you doing everything right? Because a lot of times I see someone think they're plateauing, but really they just got a little bit more lazy and they're not taking any steps, right? Their steps go from eight to 10,000 down to 5,000 because they're tired and they have lower energy. Um, a lot of times you, the answer isn't to take a break. The answer is to force yourself to make the same activity level that you did when you felt more energetic and full, right? So you need to keep a close eye on sleep, activity level, stress, all the things that kind of be affecting your weight besides just where your calories are. 
All these things are going to matter. So are you actually in a true plateau? That's the first question and probably the biggest one. Uh, the next thing is, have you put enough time in a fat loss to really warrant a diet break, right? If you're, I would say if you're 250, 300 pounds, you shouldn't take a diet break really at all. Maybe, you know, in four to six months, you should be in fat loss straight through. If you're lighter than that or you're closer to your goal, try to get at least two to three months in of fat loss. And that's a generic recommendation. Everyone's going to have different training schedules, different goals, different things they're training for or dieting for. But for the most part, to see real change, you should at least be in a fat loss phase for two months or so, sometimes six weeks, um, you know, sometimes as high as 12, 16 weeks. But for the most part, two to three months is the perfect time. And then after that, you really start to see some of these negative consequences of fat loss, which are the decreased energy, um, some hormone problems, training's going to suffer, and things like that. So keep a close eye on that, but put in the time. And a lot of times, all you need is time. You might think you're plateaued, but if you just give it another month, you know, even if it seems like spinning your wheels, you might actually start making progress. I've talked about this before. But there's this thing like called the whoosh that I definitely experience, which is holding on to weight, not seeing any progress. And if you stay on the same activity and intake long enough, it will come off. And it's just, um, you know, it's it's just a kind of a phenomenon. And I guess it's just putting in enough time and letting water weight level out and things like that, and maybe tracking accuracy level out uh, just to make sure you're actually making the progress you can in the period of time that you want. So the next one is to match up your diet breaks with your training phases. I talked about this already. Uh, a diet break is a great time to do a strength phase, so focus on lower reps and getting stronger. A diet break is also a great time to do something like a deload or cut back on cardio for a while. It's a good time to kind of let your body recuperate and recover from high volume training, essentially. So if you're going to do a diet break, I would pull back on the cardio to just a time or two. Maybe you track steps is all, but I wouldn't be doing intense, high intensity sessions. And for training, I would lower the volume a lot, do a deload. Maybe you just do a lower, um, a lower rep phase, I guess, higher weight. So you're doing a strength phase and, um, things like that. So that's a big one. So the other, um, other thing I want to talk about is the signs. And I've talked about this already, but the two big ones that are signs you should diet break besides just plateauing in scale weight, putting in the time and fat loss, matching up with your training phases, it's low energy and it's hunger. So if you're really having extreme hunger and it's something you're battling all day, every day, you're going to bed hungry, you're waking up hungry, in the middle of the night hungry, your body's probably telling you it's too hungry and you might need to take a break and raise calories for a little bit. Again, Make sure you're putting in proper time and fat loss. You need some discipline here. But in general, if you're really suffering low energy and fatigue and a lot of hunger, it's something that you need to uh, it's something that you need to address with maybe a diet break at maintenance. So that's it. That's what diet break criteria is to me. And for the most part, if you've only been plateaued for a week or two, you don't need a diet break. If you're really overweight, you don't need a diet break. A lot of times you don't need a diet break, but they can be very useful tools to keep in your tool belt. All right, question number two today is another diet question. 
Uh, the question is, am I recomping? I am seeing my scale weight pretty much stay the same, but I feel leaner, look leaner, and my performance is increasing in the gym. Is this a recomp and should I lower calories? This is a good question. And in this specific case, like without knowing all the nitty gritty details and things like that, I, I would say you shouldn't lower calories, right? I would keep them the same. If you're seeing strength go up, the weight's not changing, but you feel leaner, you're probably doing some kind of recomp, which for those who don't know, a recomp, body recomposition, gaining some muscle, losing some fat at the same time. Now, in general, doing these things at the same time is very inefficient, right? Gaining muscle requires a calorie surplus. Losing fat requires a calorie deficit. So it's going to be very hard to accomplish both at the same time when they're competing things. And, um, you know, that's just the way it is. But I've seen it time and time again where someone will be eating very close to maintenance or a lot of times right under maintenance and be able to do both at the same time for a period of time. This isn't something that, you know, goes on for a long time. It's not something that you can really sustain forever, but it essentially is the holy grail, you know, and really the answer always is if you're thinking you're getting leaner and stronger and getting muscle at the same time, ride that out. Don't be lowering calories because you're impatient with just the scale weight. Now I see this a lot, you know, if recomps even possible for you might be a good place to start with the question. I see this a lot with people that are untrained. So if you're starting a diet, but you're also starting training again, um, that can be something that that can be something that can happen. So if you're kind of coming back into it, especially after having trained in the past, muscle memory is a very real thing. And you very likely will have some of that retained as you go through your training again, it's going to come back fast, and you're going to be getting some muscle tissue back that you lost. That's a good sign that it could happen for you. Another good sign is if you are going to be eating at maintenance or just a little under, so not a big diet, you know, not a big surplus, just something very moderate, very low, right? Uh, it could happen there as well. And I have to say it, I've seen it with people who um, who take drugs, performance-enhancing drugs, it makes it possible. And that's why it's the holy grail. You know, it is something that is pretty optimal to be able to do if possible. So, yeah, ride it out if you can. That's my answer to that question. Maybe a short one, but for the most part, though, I wanted, you know, for the general people listening to this, it's not something to shoot for for most. Like I said, you're going to be a lot more efficient focusing on one at a time. Gain muscle with a surplus, lose fat with a deficit. That's how the science works. Um, it's going to be hard to try to force yourself to achieve a phenomenon of some kind. Well, I, I will say that if you're someone who has dieted for a long time, you're someone who's really kind of been obsessed with scale weight, losing weight, uh, things like that. It is a very good thing to focus a little bit more on the strength component, performance, and eating at a higher calorie level where you can actually uh, see recomp occur. I definitely have seen this benefit a lot of women and people who kind of are obsessed with weight. Just to shift focus to performance and strength training makes a big, big difference. And then also um, raising calories along with that. The muscle gain is only going to help you down the road. And if you can gain some strength and muscle and you're new to training, you're going to do it fast without a lot of calories added in. It is going to make a difference for how much fat you carry and how easy it is for you to lose it in the future. So in general, recomp, 
is a great thing if you're doing it. Hard to force yourself to do though. But for a lot of people, kind of losing that dieting mindset might be good for a time period. But honestly, focus on the strength gain and the muscle gain and um, you will get just as many, if not more benefits. All right, now into the nutrition portion for today, or excuse me, now into the exercise portion for today. We're talking about nutrition up till now. Um, I wanted to start with an easier question and then kind of get into the second half of the title of today's show about one rep maxes. I want to answer this quick question about pistol squats. Just got a question kind of actually in person about if pistol squats are a good movement, like if those should be included in um, a program. Pistol squats is a one-legged squat. If you're not familiar, you're going to be standing on one leg. One leg goes out in front of you and you squat down full, you know, full knee flexion down to the ground, hamstring to calf um, with only one leg and the other leg leg sticking out in front of you. A big challenge for a lot of people is the flexibility to do that. You're going to have your legs straight out in front of you. That's going to be hard to hold. And then the balance is an issue because you're in one leg and kind of uh, tilting side to side a little bit. And then also, of course, the strength to push through just one leg, your whole body weight. Um, it's kind of a go-to leg movement for calisthenics athletes and people just focusing on body weight training. It's okay. Okay. So just to give my full opinion on it, I think it's cool. You know, it's a good thing to shoot for a good goal to shoot for, but you have to think about what you're trying to achieve from it. Right. And then if it's the most efficient way to get there, pistol squats, do you not have access to any possible equipment to do any weighted leg exercises because i mean that's probably going to be better for a majority of things strength gain muscle gain all of that is going to be more uh it's it's going to go down a lot better if you have weights to add there's a lot of technical components of pistol squats too that make it not the best thing right if you can for example if you want to add some muscle or some strength and you can do a leg press or pistol squats and you've never done either before doing leg press is probably going to activate more muscle fibers. You can load it more, but also you're going to be able to easily learn the movement. You can do it with one leg. You can do it with two. You can do it at different stances, and it's all very intuitive. A pistol squat is very technical. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of balance. It takes a lot of mobility, which can be a slower route to get to your eventual goal of strength gain. Um, Now, that being said, Like I said, it's cool and it's a good goal and it's a good indicator of those things, of balance, of mobility, and of strength just with your body weight. Control, proprioception is what you'd call it, being aware of your body, where your body is in space. Um, So for those reasons, I like it. It's a good indicator. It's a good way to kind of diagnose if you have any issues. But as far as general programming for strength, it's not the most efficient way to do things. Now, would I, imp- would I include them in my program? Sure. If it's something you wanted to do, if you know, one, of course, if you had no access to weights and you were focused on body weight exercises, your options are pretty much single leg deadlifts, lunges, and split squats, and then the pistol squats. That's pretty much all you have. So they would be a good option for a complete body weight workout, or if you're traveling or something like that. For anyone else, Maybe it's just something you want to learn how to do and use as an indicator for mobility and stability. So if that's the case, I would use it more in a technical 
and strength based forms. So don't do a whole bunch of them. Don't include it in circuits or anything like that. Just focus on technique and learning the mobility and letting yourself get embarrassed by the movement to show you where you have to work on stability or mobility. Um, Balance is something we should all be working on in some capacity. And mobility, of course, is something we should all be working on in some capacity. And this is a good movement really to do both. If you can do it regularly, I would actually keep the reps low, like five reps or less. Start out by holding a weight out in front of you, fully arm's length. That just kind of helps the center of gravity shift forward a little bit, keep you on your toes, which helps with the balance. And then just really focus on that leg, keeping it straight out. Um, So yeah, include it for technique work only as an indicator for mobility. And then if you get really, really efficient at it, it can be a good movement for leg strength and explosiveness. Uh, You just have to be really good at it to do so. And it's not the efficient uh, movement up till then. All right, last question of the day for exercise, training, and the like. This one is a great question. Very simple. Are one rep maxes safe and should they be in a training program? Singles are something that is kind of interesting because of course, you know, it's going to depend on your goal. Is your goal to get better at lifting a weight one time to be maximally strong? Or are you trying to gain muscle, lose fat, right? If it's those two things in the latter, which is the majority of people listening to this podcast and the majority of people in a gym, you don't need to be doing them because a single rep, unless it's done for many, many, many sets, 10, 12, 20 sets of one, you're not going to be getting the volume you need to do that, right? To actually have the response you want. So a single isn't useless, but it isn't as efficient as doing sets, you know, three sets of 10 or something like that. Um, normal, if you're taking weight tonnage out of the equation, so just weight and, or just reps and sets, 30 reps of one or three sets of 10, it's all 30 reps total for the workout. What's more time efficient and you know, what is going to keep you entertained a little bit more, the three sets of 10 probably. Now I do think that singles have some use if you're something you want to train them. And I do. So, you know, I'm talking For most people, probably you don't even need to do them because you don't really care that much. If you do care, like me, wanting to lift a single rep for a certain amount of weight, um, they can be great. And if you want to be stronger at a one rep max, you need to be doing singles and one rep maxes. Now, I kind of want to take this a different direction because the, the question of should you include one rep maxes in your program isn't really the question here. And of course it is, it depends, you know, it's going to depend on a lot of things for the most part. If your goal is strength, like powerlifting, Olympic lifting, strongman, you probably need them. And if your goal is bodybuilding, fat loss, muscle gain, that kind of thing, you're kind of wasting your time. And some people would say putting yourself at risk for injury. Now I want to kind of go against that because I really don't think it's the case. I have been maxing out for a long time regularly in my programs, um, doing it sometimes daily, doing it sometimes weekly, of course, in an intelligent way, not just maxing out the bench press every day for weeks and months just because, but, um, you know, doing it in a way that, that is intelligently programmed to actually get me stronger 
neurologically and in that specific movement. Um, you know, the question of safety with one rep maxes, it's something that I think is kind of overstated. In my opinion, really heavy triples or really heavy, you know, fives is actually, or even higher than that, tens, eights, that's going to be more, it's going to put you more of an injury risk than a single. The reason really because of form breakdown, when you do one rep, for example, a bench press, when I go up for a single of a bench press, I am locked in, right? My whole lead up three, five minutes or whatever, up to that single, the top single for the day, I am focused in on that single. I'm thinking about the form. I'm thinking about the weight. All the weight jumps are intelligent. Um, I'm not just throwing weight in the bar and going after it. It is all very calculated. And that rep, because it's the only one, I have everything locked in. The shoulders are locked back. They're locked down, right? The elbows are in the right plane. The arm is nice and straight. I'm pushing the right way. The bar is coming down in the right bar path. All these things are locked in. But if I were to try to do that same you know, percentage-wise heavy weight for three reps, um, I would probably have some form breakdown and be more likely to get hurt. If I'm doing a big compound lift like a deadlift or a squat or a bench press and I'm doing eight reps with pretty heavy weight, that form breakdown is really likely to occur as well, although I would say a little bit less than a three or a five because those are more heavy, maximally loaded weights. Um, so I think a single is actually a pretty safe way to train for maximal strength and power because you're so locked in. You do have to be patient though, which is why I actually like programming them in very regularly. You don't have to set massive personal records every time and you shouldn't be, and you should be auto-regulating a lot and, you know, being okay with backing off or just taking a little tiny personal record if possible. So, if you're bench pressing, you don't have to be, you know, knocking your last bench press out by 10 pounds every single time, you know, it might be two and a half pounds or five, or maybe you just do the same weight with better form and more power and bar speed. Those are the kind of things you can be focusing on to really help. And of course, don't overload, no manual cheat reps or anything like that. You're having a partner assist you. You're just asking for injury there. But in general, I think one rep maxes are pretty safe if you know the exercise, if you are very conscious of form and start from a training max or like a lower percentage and build up with slow PRs over time. And then really, I also think it's important that you rotate movements a lot so you're not just becoming a one-trick pony. If you're, for example, bench pressing, if all you do is a wide grip bench and you're maxing out on that weekly, you know, you are probably going to get hurt even just from overuse or pushing that one movement to the brink of failure too much. So instead, I like to rotate movements a lot, even if it's small. So an incline press, decline press, uh, barbell, flat press, maybe you go to dumbbells for a bit, maybe you add some bands, some chains, you know, call my training what you want, but that's how I like to do it is rotate variations a lot and Make sure you're working on weaknesses in those movements. Just like the pistol squat, I think a one rep max is a great indicator of a weakness, right? You can get tired in a lot of different areas, but actually seeing where you're having trouble grinding through a personal record, 
it tells you a lot about what you need to work on. So if you're doing a bench press and you can't lock out your reps, you try to add weight, you know, change your variations to focus on the triceps a little bit so you can work on that lockout. Do some tricep related movements afterwards as accessories and um, you should be good to go. It's a great, great indicator as well and no better way to add strength for one rep or just for max power like that uh, than to work on it. So that's it for today, guys. Q&A episode, talk about diet breaks, pistol squats, recomp, and one rep maxes. Um, this is all great discussion points. So if you ever have any questions or you want to talk to me about it, just shoot me an email. Email and Instagram page is always in the description of the podcast. Thank you for joining me for episode number 400 of the Triple F podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Stoltz. Until next time, everybody. Keep it real, stay healthy, stay happy, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on fitness, food, and freedom.